Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 248. In this episode, we talk about HubSpot form translations and comparison, Google rolling out their major algorithm updates, how to use never log settings in HubSpot, and shifting your content budget to customer enablement. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks and strategies for growing your sales, service, marketing, and operations results, Craig. With me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems, and my name is Ian Jacob from Search Been Found. How are you, Craig? I'm really well. And you know how we say we're Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot podcast? We can now add to that, and Pakistan's number one HubSpot focused podcast. Because I had a chat with some entrepreneurs from Pakistan last week. They're using HubSpot, part of HubSpot's startup um, program. Yeah, building some really cool no-code things. So shout out to that. Hi, Shahzeb. Yeah, really good to chat with you and your team last week. Listeners, if you don't know, HubSpot has a program called the Startup Program where you can use the product at greatly discounted prices if you have received funding from approved VCs, right? Uh, I'm not sure of the details. Well, it's something like that. It's wherever you get money from. And next, what do we have, Craig? Oh, you know, people say, how can we help you and support you? It's pretty easy. Well, basically, you could rate us our podcast. That's one way. But the best way, just forward on the show notes or sign up for the show notes and then forward them on to your work colleagues or industry colleagues as well. Just help us get the word out. That would be fantastic. And before we continue, what do we have coming up, Craig? The HubSpot HubShots 28-Day Marketing Challenge. That's right. I don't think we can actually use HubSpot in the name of our our offering, can we? No, I don't think we can. I but think, I think their um, branding guidelines say we can't. So it's it's, it's the, the HubShots Hub 28-Day Marketing Challenge. For people that use HubSpot Marketing <laughs> Professionals. Right. Got to be careful these days. And this is really aimed at people who want to get their HubSpot marketing campaign launched and done within 28 days. And so you could have done a campaign ages ago, and you haven't maybe done one for the last six to six months to a year, and a lot has changed in the platform. So this is a great opportunity for you to join us on this journey of 28 days of executing and building a campaign. Now, Craig, is a new necessarily better? I think this is an important question, and it's going to come back later in Shot 7 when we talk about a particular piece of research I've been looking at and how it's actually from the late 90s, early 2000s. But it struck me that people often assume that old means out of date and no longer useful. I want to challenge that idea, and I'm going to give you two books. Both of these are classics. One is called Influence by Robert Cialdini. I think most people have heard of that in marketing circles. The other is Spin Selling. It's by Neil Rackham, uh, and that's a classic sales book. These are both from the 90s. And here's the thing. Influence, that book, is still considered very useful. Even, you know, Seth Godin, many yeah, others, they'll refer to it and they'll say, fantastic book because the principles are still valid now. Spin selling, largely replaced by other sales processes and techniques these days. So, two classic books, although I have to say Spin still sells well. It's still, you know, a, a classic. Yet, there you go, two classic books. One, I think, has stood the test of time and the other has been replaced. Your mileage may vary. I think that's important because as we come to discuss ideas, we often think, oh, I just want the latest and greatest. Well, sometimes the old still is valuable. And even when we look at the very topic of content marketing itself later, we'll discuss that. All right, listeners, on to our quick shots of the week. And HubSpot workflows have added an option to copy details from a workflow action. Example, if a workflow action 
was to create a Zoom meeting, you could copy the Zoom link to a contact property and then use it in an automated email to the contact. And I love that. Yeah, it's really good. So I'll just I'll just quickly flesh that out a little bit. We've always been able to copy properties. I'm co- copying contact property of company or a deal or whatever. Now it's from the action, as you said, Zoom. So that actually goes off to an integration piece, pulls out back Zoom. Before you couldn't really go, well, how do I actually get that link and copy it in? Well, yes. now you could just copy that from the action itself into a contact property, create a custom property, and then you can use that, say, in follow-up emails, things like that. Which is amazing because I think before you had to create a separate property and have that already updated in the contact property without doing it on the fly. All right. Another thing, listeners, HubSpot files are now, they now have a recycle bin. Yeah. Everything's got a recycle bin just about these days, which is great. That's right. Even workflows. (laughs) And now, and this is one I love, Craig. You can now set priorities on deals. So, listeners, if you've seen tasks where you can go, or within the system, I think tasks might just be high or no, no, but here we've got low, medium, high, a bit like a traffic light system. This is now available on deals and it's a property and you might need to uncover the property on your view, but then it shows up on the actual deal dashboard or card. Yeah. So, definitely worth a look. And- Another one that I love and we're testing is the custom report builder that adds support for sequences and sales emails. And finally, we've got the HubSpot traffic analytics report where you can now include countries, browsers, and device types. In so your many report. little updates, incremental improvements. We love it. And they're just in our quick shots. That's not even in the features. And Craig, you've got another one Google Core update rolling out currently in two parts. Oh, yeah. Worth mentioning this to people. So, if you're seeing changes in your organic traffic, as you listen to this, it will have been out for a bit over a week now and it's in two parts. So, typically, they have a few major releases through the year. They all, they have, they're continually rolling out minor updates, but a few major releases. It was all supposed to come out in June but they've actually broken it into two parts. And if you look at Google Search Liaison, Danny's actually saying, look, we didn't get it all ready. So there'll be a second update to this in July as well. So brace yourself, folks. If organic is a big part of your sales strategy, then you could be in for a bit of a shock, as we always are. We're always at the mercy of Google, aren't we, Ian? That's right. And what I love about this update, Craig, there is a no fancy name. It's called the June 2021 core update. Well, it's up to the community to, to name it as they do each year. So, listeners, again, well worth getting the show notes so you can see or you can click directly through because we've got all of these in the show notes for your quick access, really. That's right. Hubshots.com slash subscribe. Even if you don't listen to the show, tell your friends uh, to get the show notes. And finally, Twitter rolled out their first subscription option, Craig. Yeah, Twitter Blue. Have you signed up for this? No. You're probably not a big Twitter user. I am. That tends to be the only social network I'm on, Twitter. So I signed up more just to check it out. And it's look, it's pretty underwhelming. I've got to say there's an undo tweet option, which I've never had a need for. There's a um, folders thing, which is mildly useful. I don't know if that should be a paid feature. It seems like that's something basic should have been included for free. But the thing that ha- they have added, which I have found value in, is the reader view. Okay. And so because there's a, a quite a, a trend towards creating threads on Twitter, and yes. we often share them in the show notes, don't we? Some Twitter threads, which are really good. Correct. Got to kind of crawl through those. Well, they've got this reader view where you just pulls them all together into a consolidated view. I find that useful. That saves me time. I'm happy to pay for time, and so that's uh, why I'll probably continue. I think that's worth the price alone. 
Of course, the thing that I and millions of others want is just to get rid of ads. Yes. Uh, as you know, I'm, I'll happily pay to not see ads. Tw- uh, YouTube Premium, I happily pay for. Happily pay for it on Twitter as well. No sign that I'll, that'll ever come, but yeah, that's what yeah, we really want. Yeah, so you're want. telling me the subscription does not actually remove your ads? Correct, you still see ads. Wow, interesting. All right, on to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, and this is to do with HubSpot form translations. And this is one of those little hidden gems, isn't it, Craig? This is really cool. We stumbled across this today. Yes. Checking out forms. You know, and by the way, a little bit of inside baseball for listeners about when we we're preparing the show notes. I think when we get together, most we record on Mondays, and when we get together in Monday afternoon, We've probably got 70 to 80% of the show notes all prepared from the week or the weekend writing stuff. And there's still the last little bits to slot in. We're kind of like, oh, what what do we cover this? And we chucked out something. So, for example, we were going to cover some new things in the custom report builder today. That's right. We decided it wasn't as interesting enough, so we chucked it out. We're like, oh, what are we going to talk about in the marketing feature? Oh, I know. Let's go and have a look at forms. They're always improving forms. And what do you know? It didn't disappoint. So, what have we got in forms here? So, this is quickly create a translation of a form into 28 other languages rather other than your own. I think it would be useful if you have a lot of traffic from certain countries or you're managing a site where you've got multiple languages would be a really great thing. And the other thing you could utilize once you've created these translations, you could use the new compare form function and see how the forms are comparing. They could be identical. But it's a really good idea of how they're performing based on region. So there's there's one way to use that. This is really cool. So uh, we were mucking around with this and I created a form. I tra- created a translation of an existing form and I just said, oh, well, what did we choose? German first. And it's like, oh, yeah, it changed all the labels for the HubSpot properties. Correct. We need to work out how we can control that for custom properties we might add. I'm not sure if that's supported yet. But certainly for all the HubSpot properties, they've got localizations for all of them. So yeah, all the form labels changed to German. We thought, oh yeah, we'll try some others. Greek, yep, changed them as well. French, everything. It was really nice the way it did it. And these kind of things, you know, it really shows that the HubSpot form builder is light years ahead of most other products. Have you tried to create a a sign-up form in MailChimp lately? My goodness, what a debacle that is. Most other tools, yeah, the HubSpot form builder, it's so good to use, isn't yeah. it? It really is. I actually think it's world-class yeah. as, as a form builder. I agree. I think the ability, the ease of use and the ability to get information back and to even just get the right information into the form is massive. So The scenario for this, you can imagine these forms. So you can have a smart form in a, in a HubSpot page. You can just say, oh, based on country, uh, of they're coming in, I'll switch it out. I think actually you can choose language, browser language. Correct. You can just switch it out and pop in another form. That's a really good user experience. Then listeners though, you've got to think about, well, okay, if they submit the form and that's done in another language, do we send them a thank you that's in English? No. Well, you get smart about that as well because it's a different form. You can have multiple thank yous and then based on which form they filled out, send them the appropriate thank you. You can do that in branching within the uh, workflow and things like that. So you can really make that experience very tailored to the visitor. More personalization, isn't it, Craig? All right, on to HubSpot's sales feature of the week. And this is the never log settings in HubSpot. And we've covered this before because we, this is something that catches people out all the time. And there are two configuration uh, places you can configure this. One is personal and just for you, and the other is global. Now, the personal setting is under your general preferences under the email tab where you can set the never log preference and you do this by domain or 
particular email you don't want to get logged. doesn't mean you can't track it. It just means it does not go into HubSpot. And the other one is the global preferences to do with uh, never logging anything from a domain. So listeners, example is we would never log anything from our project management system. If you're using monday.com or teamwork, you might want to put that domain where emails are flying in and out of. You won't, might want not want to log anything from internally to your business, so your businessname.com. And the other one you might not want to do is anything with suppliers that you are communicating with that might be sensitive. You can also block those domains from never logging. Yeah, so they're good for the global setting and for the personal setting. That's where you put family and friends. So I, I have my wife in my personal settings, never log emails from her. I don't want that going in a HubSpot and you know the rest of the company seeing what I'm chatting with my wife about on email. So worth getting this in place early on. Uh, and as we'll talk about in our Gotcha of the Week coming up, you can probably imagine what it's going to relate to. Now on to a HubSpot quick tip of the week. How to export out your list of HubSpot users. And this is a common question that people ask on the HubSpot community site, Craig. And what's the quick way to do that? Yeah, so uh, I'll just quickly uh, expand on that. So people have got, oh, we've got hundreds of users in our HubSpot portal and HR want to know, uh, tell me the list of users and and, uh, their permissions and that. So it's hard. There's no actual export option at the moment. I mean, one way is you can go into um, account settings and you can export 90 days of who's logged in. Correct. But that's not really going to meet it. So what you do is there's a Chrome extension called Table Capture. Table Capture, which then you just right-click on the table in HubSpot and it gives you the option to export out and pop it, say, in a Google Sheet or an Excel file. So no inbuilt HubSpot way to do it. Get a Chrome extension that allows you to export out the HTML into another format. But you know what? I can see so many users for this export table out <laughs> and it's getting me excited. All right, on to HubSpot Gotcha of the Week, Craig. Accidentally logging emails into HubSpot and creating new contacts. Yeah, so and that's why we talked about never log before because that's the loose the solution to this problem. But yeah, I had a new uh, actually a long term client, but we were getting them up to speed with the HubSpot connector. And I didn't realize this that when you install the HubSpot connector in Outlook, by default it has logging on. I always thought it was off by default and you had to turn it on. So maybe I'm wrong or maybe it's changed. Anyway, I said, look, get that up to speed. I'll give you training on it uh, later in the week. So they went diligently, you know, and went, oh, great. So everyone installed it. Yep. And of course, you can imagine what happened, you know, the next day, panic. What's going on? Oh, suddenly we're logging sensitive internal emails to HubSpot. And I thought, yes. oh, no, what's going on? Anyway, yeah, that setting is on by default. So the gotcha is a whole bunch of people installed this connector. Suddenly every email they were logging was going into Sydney was going in. Yeah, yeah. going into HubSpot. So the gotcha is that it's on by default. I think that should be off by default. I'm not sure. And the thing that I've discovered with the Office 365 or the Microsoft add-ons, we often have issues when there are upgrades to Outlook or Outlook 365 or, sorry, Office 365. Often these kind of things happen inadvertently. So it could be at either end. Yeah, I guess that's right. I mean, it was easily solved in this case. Just showed them, look, untick it. Most people knew, but if you didn't, then, of course, we just deleted all the internal contacts and then we put in the never log so no internal contacts could ever get logged accidentally anyway. But, yeah, just a bit of a gotcha there. Now, the thing about this gotcha is that it potentially 
surfaces sensitive information. And that's a that's a really big issue. So I think, I mean, certainly I'm going to change the way we do training with clients to highlight that right up front and be very careful about the layout. But I just think for other listeners, especially if you're the marketing manager and you're like, oh, great, or the sales manager, oh, sales here, put this in place. Maybe get the Neverlog settings yes. in place first. And maybe that's a discovery piece with the client or with the rest of your team. What should we never log? Get that in place first and then, okay, now you can go ahead and install a connector. Okay, on to our marketing tip of the week. The peak and end rule. All right. First thing you got to do is go and sign up for this newsletter. It's ARIA. It's spelled A-R-I-Y-H, newsletter. And uh, written by a guy called Thomas EX, Google. Anyway, what he looks at is past and present research to provide market evidence-based marketing insights. This is gold, Ian. If you haven't signed up, I've only recently I just did it, Craig. It's fantastic. Anyway, I'm going to talk. I, this is basically taken straight from one of his emails that I got. He talked about the peak and end rule. This is fascinating. So he looked back at medical research. This is people been in hospital having treatments over a longer period of time, so, you know, weeks or months. So you might be in there with a burns unit or something like that. It's, it's about things that do heal. So it wasn't about, say, end-of-life situations, but painful situations. And it looked at, well, instead of trying to ease the pain over all the time and make them comfortable all the time, what they found was by having two very specific incidents where they did give pain relief and satisfaction, people remembered it with a very positive recollection, even though there was lots of pain along the way. Yep. So they call it the peak and end rule. And so that's the start of the research. I think that was from early 90s. And then later they thought, well, this is interesting. If people psychologically, there can be this peak point, and it was maybe a third or, the, or half the way into it, yep. a really high satisfaction point. And then the end was very satisfying. It didn't matter how much pain was along the way. And they thought, oh, let's apply this outside of medical into more consumer areas. You know, people, and so of course we're thinking in our agency and we think, oh, this is onboarding. That's a painful experience for a lot of people. We try and make it as, yes. as painless as possible. Oh, getting campaigns up and running and getting assets and chasing people to get access to accounts. Like it's kind of annoying and painful, right? Mm, That's the part of, that clients, you know, have to battle through. We're like, Ryan, how can we make a really peak satisfaction point early on? So we're, we're actually planning one two weeks into onboarding because we know we can't get rid of all of the pain. We can make it a better experience. We can't get rid of all the pain at the mm. startup. But two weeks in, we want to have a really nice event happen for the client. I'm not going to say what it is here, but you get the point. And then later, we're going to have an end point, which is usually at the end of each month. Because for retainer clients, if it's ongoing, it's yep. going to be an end point, which is high satisfaction, whether that's a personal call or some other follow-up. So that all those pain points along the way are kind of overwhelmed by these peak and end. So I think that's really interesting research. Go and have a look at this, but that's the point. And so, of course, we're delivering results along the way. But as you know, Ian, it doesn't matter how good the results are. If there's pain along the way, people always grumble about that. <laughs> so it's about overcoming that yes. with some very high satisfaction points. Fascinating research. All right. On to our insight of the week, Craig. Content strategy trends. And this tweet came from Pete Caputa. And got us thinking about the content strategy for our clients. And it was very interesting. So, this is in the tweet. When you get the show notes, it says, in the 2000s, if you took a SaaS company, it was all about the sales. In the 2010s, it was all about marketing. And now, 2020s, it's all about support. Yeah. As you said, this, it's got us thinking. 
And as we know, content marketing itself is not new. And we've got a link here from John Deere, you know, the tractor and farm I know. I actually supplies. read that. It's centuries old. Yeah, yeah. Content marketing is not new. The concept's not new. It's been popularized of late and kind of given a name. I don't know if it was always called content marketing. Probably not. Mm. That's a recent thing. But we now have job titles, content marketer, right? Correct. So it's very popular now. Here's the point that Pete's making and that I've been thinking through. It's like, oh, content marketing. It's all around marketing. But the trend moving from content is from marketing, well, to sales. Now we put quite a lot of time into generating sales content. We've always had sales activity, you know, or, you know, salespeople getting on the phone and stuff like that. But sales content that the marketing team build. But now it's moving to customer support. And I've I try not to use the word customer support. I use customer enablement now because support normally, if you say to most- something's going wrong, right? Yeah. Most people think support are cost, cost center, whereas customer enablement, oh, facilitation, oh, that's an asset, right? Recurring um, customer happiness kind of thing. So think about your content for customer enablement. And if you think of your own behavior, I was thinking, what do I do when I'm evaluating a tool, especially a SaaS tool? I tend to find I'm in their knowledge base. I'm digging around yes. how to install. This is the, I have not purchased it yet, but how to install, what can I do, set it up, how would I use it? Because from their knowledge base, I'm actually trying to get a sense of how easy it is to use and what it can do. That to me, and maybe I'm a little bit geeky and nerdy, so I'm not usual, but I don't think I'm on my own, right? I think a no. lot of people read that stuff long before they purchase. Now, that content is written for customers, and yet it's normally a, a sales tool for me. It gets me over the line. And in fact, if tools don't have that in place, often it's a much harder sell for me. So here's the point, pulling that all together, customer enablement content, maybe, dear listener, start thinking about pushing your content budget into that bucket, more so than the upfront marketing and trying, oh, you know, trying to talk about um, a, a problem that they might not be aware because they're in research mode. For the middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel, maybe you should be pushing to actually assuming they're already a customer, right for your customer audience, and then hand that over to the marketing team to use to promote your brand. So I think one HubSpot does this really well with the HubSpot Academy, Craig. Good example. done this yep. over a long time. And I'm often blown away when we talk to people and we show them the resource, how, the, how amazed they are and how they're now used as a benchmark when we talk about uh, training because they might have experienced other training from other businesses and other companies or software tools and they just go, oh, it's just not the same. And you then realize what a good asset that is in in the business. All right, on to our HubShots throwback of the week, Craig. Did you know a year ago HubSpot was releasing new features for enhanced Slack app for account-based collaboration where you could sync call info and notify a Slack channel. Just, just explain that. that Enhance Slack app. Integrations for account-based collaboration. So it's really around account-based marketing. And so when a call was, um, when you had a call, you could push that call details into a Slack channel and then notify that Slack channel. Oh, right. So you might have a channel. that yeah. organization has been contacted. So quite often they'll set up a Slack channel just for a particular account. You know, we're working Correct. on the Coke account. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, just a chat. Got it. All right. On to our resource of the week, Craig. Why you should use products in your Google My Business profile. What can I say? We talk about Google My Business a lot of the time. And here is another feature that people are probably not realizing the power of it and the ability to be found in search. And this is the ability to be using products. So, if you're a physical store, you can put 
products on there with the pricing. I saw some examples of people selling cars. There were there were cars on there with pricing. If you've got services, put your services as a product and put the pricing down because it will show in the search results in Google My Business. Craig, the quote of the year, week is yours. Excellence is a process, not an event. Now, we haven't actually ascribed this to anyone because I've read it in many books and it's a, it's a common thought. Uh, but I just want to highlight it again. And the reason why, I think when I was most, re- I was trying to remember where I read it most recently, but it's about this idea that people look for an event to be like the success point. It's like, oh, they do this one thing and then suddenly they launch into success. It's almost like the silver bullet they want. And yet everything is a process. And that's what we talk about on the show often. It's like incremental improvement. It's kind of like there was no event when suddenly HubSpot became an awesome tool. It was a process of incremental improvement. Now, we do have uh, some bonus links and how Google chooses its sources for news. Oh, my goodness. Did you read this? No, I haven't, but I will be. Oh, look, if you want to read a blog post from Google that explains absolutely nothing, it's just vague, meandering panderings about, you know, we do the right thing. I can't believe this. It's, it's like written by the, I don't know, an unpaid intern somewhere. So it's very vague. That's what you're trying to tell me. Very, very vague, but linked to all over Twitter, people linking to it as if it's, you know, some nugget of insight. I don't know. Anyway. And another one, listeners, if, if you, you've got to look at this in the show notes, it says it's a map of the online world in incredible detail. And it's very cool. We were, Craig discovered it and we were looking through it. And it has the biggest internet properties grouped into a world map format. It was fascinating. This is fantastic. Oh, my goodness. This is good. And where do we find HubSpot, Craig? It was over in, near Latency C, over in uh, uh, the right-hand side of the map, hiding away there next to Salesforce and, uh, and Mail- no, next to MailChimp. MailChimp. <laughs> and uh, SurveyMonkey, Qualtrics. It was really interesting. And um, listeners, you'd probably... Have heard Jot of form. Did this. you see how big Jotform is? Yeah, it's I saw that. Half the size of Hub, so I can't believe that. Yeah, and Typeform's on top of that, Craig, and Formstack. Anyway, listeners, as Craig puts it in the show notes, prepare to kiss thirty minutes goodbye as you roam around the full size version of this world map. This is again. Uh, thank you for listening. Sign up for the show notes at hubshots.com/slash/subscribe and. Leave us a review on wherever you listen to this. It would greatly help us. Until next week, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.